0: Good afternoon everybody. I'm um, sorry about the delay. It's been a long week <laughs> um, but I think we're ready to get started now. <clears throat> well I had a great surprise when I walked into the hallway five minutes ago. Um, seems like every week for the past couple of weeks we've been just having um, not just guests but some old guests, guests from back in the day and um, yeah just grateful to God for his goodness amen amen so if we're ready to get started welcome we're we're gonna begin a new series today and I'm hesitating because I'm really shook with reference to today I'm a man who likes to be really well organized and um, I'm not today (laughs) so I'm nervous I'm um, nervous every time I stand up to speak, um, so I suppose nothing's new in that sense. So, Pastor E completed a, a kind of like a mini-series last week, and we're going to be picking up a, 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 another kind of mini-series before we jump back into a book, kind of traditionally as we do, probably after Easter. So this hopefully is going to take us, say hopefully, you know, because like I said, I'm not really sure. And this Pastor E's fault. I'll tell you why in a little while. <clears throat> no, nah, in a good sense. In a good sense, not in a negative sense. <laughs> Man said his back is broad, enough," <laughs> and, and it is for real. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. So um, look, <clears throat> we're going to be doing a, a series um, in the Psalms. <clears throat> and it's crazy because we're not going to do one, but we're actually going to do two Psalms today, which is mad. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 and 2, and today's going to be an intro to the intro. That is, the book of Psalms has an intro, and that is Psalms 1 and 2, and that's what we're going to look at. Um, But also, over the the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at prayer, poetry, prophecy, and praise. Because how many of you know, um, it's not a complete and total summary, but that helpfully summarizes the book of Psalms, you know what I mean? And so, would you join with me as I pray um, that God would help us this afternoon. Father, thank you um, just for the privilege of being able to come together like this as your people. Thank you that you are our God and we are your people. And Father, I thank you that your people gather regularly in different places. And I'm glad that we're gathering here today, even with friends and family, Lord, that we may not have seen for a number of years, but we're still family, and I thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to begin to see the beauty of the book that is called the Psalms, and Lord, that you would inspire us. Lord, I pray that today would be the beginning of a journey for many of us, including myself, Lord. Um, with regards to this incredible book that you've provided us with. Um, and I do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so what's the rationale? Like, why this at this time? Like I said, Pastor E since New Year's Eve started this series, in it? Talking about new year, new you. New, new year, new you, new me. You know what I mean? And... Huh, Last week, particularly, this is how my man switched up the thing, or I should say, maybe the Lord switched up the thing. Last week, I was already quite planned and ready for this next series that I'm going to be responsible for sharing over the next nine, ten weeks. And then Pastor E come start talking last week about, boy, the challenge of sailing close to the wind of the Spirit. And I had been contemplating the Psalms, but I thought, well, that's just for me. That's just for my personal kind of life and. And I'm saying I've been reading a book by Tim Keller called "Our, um, Our God, Our Refuge," and it's pretty much a, a um, uh, 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 not a commentary, uh, devotional. Thank you, sir. In the Book of Psalms, and I've been doing that since the beginning of the year, kind of off and on. You know, as you do, you you don't hit every day, but off and on. And I thought it was just for me, and then I just felt a real strong conviction to consider actually doing this rather than what I had already done, and the other, the other thing is done prepared. I just have to tweak it. And if, and if you know anything about speaking or teaching or preaching, this stuff don't come together in five minutes. So, now you know why I'm nervous, you know what I mean? Because I don't fully know where this is going to go apart from... The fact that it's ten weeks, it's nine weeks. I know there's 150 psalms, so I'm sure we're going to be able to find a psalm for each week by time we start now. And we finish at Easter, so that's my only consolation, <laughs> if that makes sense. And to be honest, you know, like the obedience challenge is a thing where I will always want to take the path of least resistance. I don't want no hard work unnecessarily. If I have to, then I have to. But why would I? Why would I want to? So, here we go. Apart from the series title, um, I wonder if you could just take a little bit for the highs. or If you, it, if you could just touch up this mic for me, I'm, you, know, you, could, you know how, 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 how it goes. Um, and it's just a little bit too loud. If you could just turn the volume down for me, that would be great. So apart from the series title, I've mentioned now the series content, right? Prayer, poetry, prophecy, and praise. And in my life... These are some of the things that are in the process of a radical overhaul. Say radical. Radical. Radical, radical overhaul. Now, the first thing, obviously on the list there, and I'm hoping that this keynote's going to work with me. Please, Lord, help me. Lord. The first issue or the element, and I'm saying with regards to the content, is prayer. Now, who isn't constantly challenged about their prayer life? Not just the quantity of it, like how much do you pray, but also the quality. You know what I mean? Because it's easy just to um, pray as it were, like the quote-unquote heathen. Loads of words, but no meaning. Especially if you're in a prayer meeting. Like Everybody knows what to say. Everybody knows what to pray. And if you don't, you just don't say nothing. You just sit there quietly, contemplate. What's the word? Contemplatively. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm trying to say, when it comes to real prayer, real quality prayer, and especially when the Bible says that we have to pray unceasingly, that means I'm never going to hit the mark all the time because, in one sense, it seems like an important task. I'm, I'm saying that the challenge is constantly there with reference to this issue of prayer. And the Psalms have been just recently very... <laughs> to say they've been refreshing would be an understatement, and particularly because of their brutal honesty. When it comes to issues of life and loss and pain and bleeding heartache and death and injustice, you know, sometimes we experience them things. Sometimes I experience them things and I want to cuss. I want to cuss like bad word. You ever felt like that? And the Psalms give me the liberty to curse without cursing. Listen. Psalm 69. Psalm 69, I suspect, will go down in history, right? Well, I know it has for me. It's never going to be the same again. Psalm 69. Listen to the, the Psalmist. He says, now answer me. My man's talking to God, you know. Now answer me, God, because you love me. Let me see your great mercy Your great merciful face. Don't look the other way. Your servant can't take it. I'm in trouble. Answer right now. Come close, God. Get me out of here. Rescue me from this death trap. You know how they kick me around. Pin on me, the donkey's ears, the dunce's cap. You know them signs that say on the back, kick me. You're walking around, you don't even know that it's there, right? I'm broken by their taunts, flat on my face, reduced to a nothing. I looked in vain for one friendly face, not one. I couldn't find one shoulder to cry on. They put poison in my soup, vinegar in my drink. It continues, Lord, let their their supper be cheese in a trap that snaps shut. May their best friends be trappers, Who skin them alive. Different kind of trappers to what we're familiar with today, right? Verse 23, make them become blind as bats. Give them the shakes from morning to night. I don't know what that is, but it don't sound good. Verse 24, let them know, let them know what you think of them. Blast them with your red hot anger. Man, I wonder what this sounds like in the Jamaican Patois translate. You know the Jamaican translate? I wonder what this sounds like. Blast them with your red hot anger. Verse 25, burn down their houses, burn down them (laughs) hosts. Now I know why the Rastafari, them love the Psalms. (laughs) Leave them desolate with nobody at home. They gossiped about the one that you disciplined, right? That's me if you like. Made up stories about anyone wounded by God. Lord, pile on the guilt. Don't let them off the hook. Strike their names from the list of the living. no. No honor for them among the, among the righteous. The Psalms, partly the art of cursing without cursing. Now, if you were angry, cheesed off, if you were tired and you were fed up, wouldn't you feel a little bit better after that? I would, well, I did. Like even like reading it now and reading it as I did previously, I was, I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is in the Bible, where well, I can go in like this. And notice, <clears throat> notice who the individual isn't speaking to. They're not speaking to the person that offended them. They're not speaking to their best friend on the phone. Got them on speaker, walking around, oh, I can't believe this, da, 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 da yeah, and what, yeah, for real, yeah, and they did this. You know, how girls speak to their phone. Well, i got a daughter in it, and I know how she does. The the psalmist ain't ain't speaking to his best friend on the phone, complaining. They're not even talking to themselves. You know, you walk up and down, chatting to yourself sometimes, talking to to yourself. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, under my breath. But notice the the persons who they talking to. They're speaking to God, you know. And let me tell you, if you want a vibrant, three D, like four K quality prayer life, get familiar with the Psalms. Someone's prayer life, hopefully, is about to change up in here. The second point is what? Anybody remember? Sorry, i just about I'm paying, I'm paying attention. The second point is poetry. Huh. It's like, <clears throat> under this particular heading, wow, I've had a renaissance. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but here's a, a, a very basic definition. The Renaissance was a fervent period of cultural, artistic, political, and economic European rebirth between like the 14th and the 17th century, those, kind of four, those four millennia, those four centuries, excuse me. The Renaissance promoted, prom- promoted the rediscovery of classical philosophy, liter- literature, and art. Over the past few, I would say, over the past couple of years, I feel like I've gone through some kind of awakening, listen, akin to a mini-Renaissance, and and it is on these issues. This is where I'm hoping my keynote's going to work. The first thing, if you notice, in terms of the definition, you've got cultural, artistic, political, economic. Let me just start briefly with cultural. now. As you can probably tell by a slight bit of my accent, so I, used to, I actually lived in Jamaica for a little while, even though I was born in this country. I lived in Jamaica for about four or five years. And um, historically, you know what I'm saying, Jamaicans kind of coming over in the, six, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, like the whole Windrush generation. I don't know if you know, but back then, um, there weren't as many um, Africans from West Africa in the country at that point. That came a little bit later. And when a lot of um, family from Africa came over in like the 70s and the 80s, West Indians and Africans never got along. For that matter, it's like, if, if, if West Indians are the focus for the minute, West Indians never got on with West Indians. And for me, a part of my new renaissance is, I'm African. You know what I'm saying? And like, I see Pastor E. I have to give him ratings. Well, it, it, I suppose he ain't got no choice 'cause he's got he's got a young African, a young African s- s- son-in-law who's joining the family. You see, Pastor E. and his, um, I don't even know what that outfit's called, like that Nigerian and Ghanaian like traditional outfits, the long gown and, what so much Nigerian and you can't tell me the name, <laughs> Akara. Akara, and um, I got my first one a couple months ago, um, and um, I rocked it yesterday at the baby shower. Is 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 Ola and Angelie Ange- Ange- here today? Oh, they said they were come in church today, and I was like, really? <laughs> the baby's about eight nine days old, and I was like, bro, it's a military operation for you to get to church. Give yourself some time, you know what I mean? But I, I rocked my foot, my one yesterday, and um, it felt good. I was. Ain't got time. I was... Well, actually, I I can make this point here. Um, Although I didn't have the outfit, I've been to Africa a number of times. I've been to Nigeria twice. Been to Abuja. Been to Lagos. Went with Brother Bertram. You know what I mean? And um, I've been to Uganda. I've I've, I've also been to Tunisia. How many of you know Tunisia is Africa? It's North Africa. And um, it's crazy talking about the outfits and that. I went into... They got these little... um, they got these little roads with shops, a lot, and all the shops are the same. It's called a souk. I walked down this souk, and they had all of these African garments. It's Africa, and, and they had this black one with white embroidery all over it. And I looked at it, and I thought, "Hmm, it looks nice, but it's a bit too much." You know what I mean? I kind of walked by and I never ended up buying nothing. Anyway, tutus. Get back to my brother's house because my brother lives in Tunisia, and. Um, He said, "Uh, let's watch a film. I was like, cool. So he said, what haven't you seen? And I said, boy, there's a whole heap of films I ain't seen. And um, I said, I ain't seen, um, I can't remember the name, Wakanda. But I said, I ain't seen seen Black Panther. He went, what? So anyway, and this this was a long time after the film came out. Anyway, we watched Black Panther. And what do I see my man come out in? This black thing with the white embroidery. And I, I was leaving the next day, and I wanted to go there and go buy it, but he wouldn't let me because, because of time. But I'm going to get him to bring me one. And one day in a service when I'm preaching, I'm going to wear it. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, and I ain't got time for this. I'm trying to say that like, I'm, I'm going back to my roots. I, it's like I, one of the places I want to go in West Africa is Ghana. You know what I'm saying? I want to go to Elmina Castle because I've had friends go there. You know, I've got a friend, six foot tall, big strapping, you know, Jamaican brother. He said he went to Elmina Castle and he, he, he had to sit down on the floor and he wept like a baby. Because that's the, one of the points of no return. You've got the gate of no return. Once you go through that as a slave onto the ships, that was, that's it. And um, the stories, and he says the, 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 it, the aura, the, the smell of the place is somewhere I'd like to go. I'd like to go to Cape Coast and like to go visit Accra. When I'm a, like, a mentor that I had when I was very, very young, someone who really took the place of my dad when my real dad wasn't around, who taught me how to kick a ball, you know what I'm saying, how to do my first set of 10-ups and you know, kick up, 10 kick-ups, and t- taught me how to bowl a ball, like pro- like properly, you know, and bat, and all of those things that, you know what I'm saying, you probably wouldn't think much of, and I look back on, I went to look for him 30 years after, I came back from Jamaica, and I thought, I need to go and see Derek, his name used to be Sancho, changed it to Accra, he was so influenced by African culture. I went to visit him and um, couldn't find him, got hold of his daughter and heard that he died three months previously of cancer. And I'll tell you, I, I, like, that, like my brother who went to visit Elmina Castle, I wept like a baby. The mans he's not even my family, but he taught me so much, you know what I'm saying, for, for which I'm very grateful. He put his arm around me as a big man you know what I mean? As a black man, put his arm around me and looked after me and took care of me. He used to even let us play football in his front room. He never had no furniture in his front room. He used to let us play football. What kind of madness is that? <laughs> no wonder we l- I love him so much. You know what I mean? Only thing is he used to bun Gunja. Oh, he used to br- he used to smoke so much weed. Um and but he had pictures of like, you know, like black. Queens on his walls, and but I never even noticed them things. It's only now as I, as I look back, I'm trying to say, like, my culture, you know, what I'm saying is something that I've begun to appreciate my heritage, you know. what I mean, and um, somebody bought me Teresa bought me my, my heritage thing. I keep mentioning this not for Christmas, not this Christmas, last Christmas, and I still ain't opened it. Sis, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna send it off to find out really. I, I'm sure I got some West African roots. I won't say where, just in case I split the groups in two. Um, so that's like culture is massive. Like Again, Renaissance, this is a new art. Like, art. Wow, you guys know that I, I, I'm an avid amateur photographer. Love photography for the past 15 years, really for 30 years kind of on a, on, a, on a smaller level. But the past 15 years or so, I think if I wasn't a preacher, I'd be a photographer. Just love it, um, but ain't really got the time that I'd like to um and I, I just i love to like, I, to see a picture of my like my wife's profile when the sun hits it in a particular type of way you feel it, you like Denzel, you know what i'm saying isn't it bro um to, it's it's crazy how funny things have begun to appeal to me like artistically like me that he come back from lunch one day was walking back to lcm and i looked at his car and i it, it, it I, I just looked at it differently i was like bro i never saw them black fins on the side before and you know what i mean it's like, I got a little Audi A3. Historically, we used to drive big cars because there was enough of us in the family, but the family's gone down to, 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 to a smaller number now. So I got a little A3 now, innit? And the car is a sexy car. I don't know if you know the like, Audi A3. <laughs> if you're thinking of buying a car, you should really test drive it, car. When I tell you, say I love the car, pasta E, I love the car. And I'm just saying, it's the aesthetics. I would come out and I'd be like, wow, that's a really pretty car. Um, it's like, there's something about art that all of a sudden as kinda, Helen said to me, look Robert, and I looked in the garden yesterday, two magpies, like black and white magpies in my garden against against the the green grass background. It's like, I'm learning to appreciate, it must be my age, I'm learning to appreciate things just differently, especially when it comes to art, and some of you know my history in terms of, back in the day I was a DJ, and um, got into body popping like that for a good couple of years of my life. I mean, even to the point where we was able to use it when we used to do evangelism in Leicester Square. We'd go out and I was like the warm-up act. I'd go out there and I'd be like, you know what I mean? And, and before you, and Pastor E's here, he'd testify, you know what I'm saying? Before you know legend, bruv, them days. And before you know it... 50, 100 people, and then you know we do our music and we share the gospel. You know what I mean? And um, but how many of you know that's a type of art? The whole like hip hop. I think there's five elements to hip hop, ain't it? There's the dancing, like break dancing, graffiti, um, DJing, MCing, and there was one more. I, f- I forget it at the minute. But is it the dress? I'm not sure. But you guys know that we got into like I mentioned the rap. But originally, like like we was, <laughs> I was around when hip-hop was invented. You know what I mean? I was around when skateboarding, when BMXing, when body, when all of that stuff was invented. And, you know, so much of that is art that I, I, I love and enjoy. You know what I'm saying? And for a period of time as a believer, I kind of shunned that. You know what I mean? In one sense. Not all of it. Obviously, I said I used the dancing in one sense, but um it's crazy how. I've over, like recently begun to um, enjoy things, not just spiritually, but also secularly. You know what I'm saying? Not everything that's secular is satanic and ungodly. You know what I mean? And enjoying art just for what it is. Now, not neglecting to do the cultural exegesis. That is kind of looking at things carefully and kind of really analyzing them on a more d- deeper and spiritual level, but but not not but just not immediately taking like the UFC stance. You know what I'm saying? Like ultimate fight. Like uh, <coughs> every- everything is like. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? Like any t- anything that comes up that's secular, you're like. <coughs> you know what I mean? It's like I've kind of learned to begin to kind of relax a little bit. You know what I mean? And and um. Ah, uh, next one is is. Politics, wow, let me just say, if, if you, let me, j- Brexit, <laughs> was so, it, I say was so, it's, it's still going on, has been really helpful for me, because for the first time in my life, I'm, fi- I'm going to be 52 years old this year, for the first time in my life, like a year and a half ago, I began to seriously think about politics, because I never really understood it. And I'm saying, didn't vote more than I did vote over the years. Just completely disconnected. Didn't understand it. Oh my gosh, I've been on such a journey. Like politics. I understand the difference between the left and the right. Yo. And the thing is, UK politics is very... Don't try and figure out politics by looking at UK politics. You know what I'm saying? It will confuse you. What you need to do is you need to look at American politics because... The two the two. Republican and Democratic are poles apart and they're really easy to distinguish. I would say start there and it will begin to help you to understand UK, begin to help you to understand, because in the Conservative Party, the whole party ain't Conservative. And the Labour Party, the whole party ain't Socialist. It's like, so I'm saying, Renaissance. I'm like, poli- I can chat, but I can talk about politics. You wanna, Like, with it me and Paul? Where's Paul? What's Paul Dapar? Me and, me and Paul Dapar have some deep, old, extensive, political discourse, discursion. Yo, because I know a little bit about politics. And then, huh, economics, wow. Now, again, this is linked to age awareness, you get me? It's like, my next major birthday is 60, like, Pension, savings, and investments. Man said, not yet. Bro, so when am I going to start thinking about it? <laughs> w- w- when I'm 65? Uh, is that what I'm saying? 67. 67. I can't, start. I can't start thinking. I need to start thinking about it now. I, need, I think I already said it. I need some advice, sir. I need to come and see you and Missy. And Bertram and Missy, I should say Pastor Bertram, they have, have run um, the CAP money course. Listen, I'm not even going to ask if you, if you have considered coming or if you need it. Even if you don't need it, you need it. <laughs> and there's another course that I really would like to run. I'm hoping that p- time permitting at some point in, during the year, maybe the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next year, I'd love to take opportunity for us to... It's like, as well as kind of like like health, like in, in terms of health, like... There's so much I feel like we need to talk about. Like I said, I've had this renaissance. I feel like there's so much that we need to talk about. But the funny thing is, it all relates back to our creator in one shape or form. It all relates to, and it's funny because all of these things, culture, art, politics, economics, how many of you know, all of these, they all impact each other. You know what I'm saying? You've got art, you've got musical artists who are political. You've got How many of you know politics and economics are related? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I heard someone say that politics runs downstream from culture. So Jay-Z will get up and say something about something political without using political language, and everybody will vote based on his influence. And if you don't know that's true, that's a fact. And I'm saying that all of these they coalesce they merge they intermingle they even fuse together and in terms of art the psalms stands as a giant in in the in the world and history of art because it's poetry and song but it includes so much more i'm talking so, poetry. All of that comes under poetry. And then the the fourth and... Sorry, the third element with regards to the content of the Psalms is prophecy. Now, I've been doing at London City Mission. I'm one of the trainers there. i helping to train the missionaries. And for a couple of years now... Because you ain't listening to me. You're all listening to that right now, isn't it? So... You're good, B. Don't worry. It happens. Is. It's all good. I know you've never done it intentionally. <laughs> um, what was I saying? So at LCM, part of my responsibility is training. And one of the parts, one of the elements of the course that I train is a Bible overview. Looking at the whole Bible. Step, taking a step back and, you know what I'm saying, often we look at the Bible real close up. You read the book of Ephesians. And you know they say you, sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees, Because you're standing up looking at the tree, and you're thinking, how does this all make sense? You've got to just take a step back, is not it? And when you take a step back and you look at the forest, you're like, oh. So part of my responsibility is to teach this Bible overview. And in teaching this Bible overview, I've been just so amazed at how much prophecy is in the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? And And there's so many promises that we see fulfilled in the New Testament. It's just blown me away, and I'm so excited about it to the point where that's what I wanted to teach. I wanted to do the second half of a Bible overview that we started a while ago. And um, in terms of prophecy, I've got to the age now where I can safely say, I understand when people say, we've been waiting a while and Jesus ain't come back. You know what I mean, Part, I'm tempted partly to say, rah, for real, you know, it's been a while still. You know what I mean? Because I've been around a minute now, half a century, like, I hear what you're saying. You know what I mean? And obviously, I can engage with that and give a rebuttal, as it were, but, you know, or give, provide some answers, but is Jesus going to return in my lifetime is a question that I've begun to kind of ask myself with regards to, like, prophecy and the signs of the times. How many of you know we've got some major signs over the past couple of years? I remember, I remember us preaching, right, oh, you know what? There's a lot of persecution going on in the rest of the world, and we don't really experience it, <laughs> 10, 15 years ago we used to say that. We don't say that now. You know what I mean? Because we as the people of God are under intense persecution, at least, you know what I'm saying, with regards to the ideologies that are current and popular, that we are now, we are now, you know what I'm saying, we're definitely in the minority in terms of the way that we think. So this issue of prophecy has really come up recently. I'm trying to point out the things that have Again, been a renaissance in my life. Um, even the other day, Jordan, my son, said to me, he said, Dad, someone's been asking me about end times. Matthew 24, what's the deal? And I'm saying Luke um, 21, Mark chapter 13, these are all kind of um, synoptic chapters in the, in the New Testament. Like, Dad, what's the deal with the end times? And I, I had to look it up, and there are four kind of fundamental viewpoints, and I pinged him some links and whatnot, and I'm like, this issue of end times is something that comes up in the psalm. So in Psalm 22, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, this this is about 800 BC. Psalm 22 opens up and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you heard that before? It sounds like, remember Jesus on the cross, screaming this out. I wonder why he screamed this out, this verse. Remember, this is a song. Psalms are songs, right? If you knew anything about the Hebrew billboard top 150 songs, you'd be like, bro, why is he singing the first line of Psalm 22? It would be like you hearing a biggie tune, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, I know that tune. Or you hearing a Celine Dion's tune, giving your taste, you know what I'm saying? It's like you hear the beginning and you know that tune, right? So that, now, think. Now Psalm 22 goes on to say, all who see me mock me, verse seven and eight. They make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him, apparently. That's exactly what was said about Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Why did he cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? People would have been like, hmm, Psalm 22. Hmm, it goes on. Verse 18 says, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. And talk about prophecy! Remember, this is eight hundred years before Jesus was born. And then the clincher, verse sixteen says, "A company of evildoers encircles me; they have pierced my hands and my feet." How I many of you know this didn't happen to the writer of this psalm? This was actually prophetic. They pierced my hands and my feet. Obviously, speaks about crucifixion. Eight hundred years, sorry, four hundred years before it was even invented. And it was invented by the Persians and it was perfected by the Romans. The book of Psalms, I think it's the most quoted book in the New Testament with regards to prophecy. Hopefully we get a chance to talk about that. Prophecy in the Psalms. And now here's the last one. Praise. This this one's got to be in there, right? Praise. Have you ever done like a praise analysis or an inventory of your praise? Are you a grateful, thankful person? Are you someone who often refers to God with gratitude? Personally, in your own personal, private life, or corporately, a little bit like we did today, right? And... The English title of Psalms originated from the Septuagint. Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. So it's just written in Greek, right? Because Greek was the lingua franca. It was the common language kind of in the first century. And the meaning of the word that it uses for Psalms is songs of praise. You remember songs of praise when it used to come a telly? All this time, I never realized that songs of praise actually comes from the Psalms. And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean... That would never come back on television again. A lie. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the fact that it was quite dead, you know what I'm saying. It, but you know what I mean. Like it's there. Yeah, that's never. That's never coming back. And um, did you know the very center? If you had a paper Bible and you cracked it open, pretty much the very center probably wouldn't be exactly as you open it. But technically, the very center chapter of the bible is the 595th chapter that chapter is psalm 117 which also happens to be the shortest of the psalms in the bible actually in any book in the bible and it's psalm 117 talking about praise praise the lord all nations not just jews extol him all peoples not just white people or not just black people, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever, praise the Lord, Now we're going to talk more about praise when we get to the end of the Psalms, but the Psalms are replete with praise, and you know, like Psalm 23, classic, right, if you haven't been able to memorize Psalm 23 because it's a bit long, or Psalm Psalm 1 because it's a bit long, go for this one. And then you can say, boom, I've, I've, I've memorized a whole book, of the Bi- a, whole, a whole chapter in the Bible, yo. Psalm 117, praise. And you know, I thank God for the praise team. You guys have taken things just to another level, you know what I'm saying, with regards to helping us to praise God. Because often, if I'm, if I'm just completely honest with you, like the Psalms have given me a freedom, you know what I'm saying, with regards to just honesty. It's like, sometimes I come in and And we're here and and, and the singing's taking place, but it's, it's so hard sometimes to engage. You know what I mean? I've got a million things bouncing around the corridors of my mind and, you know what I mean? Sometimes if we're singing for like 20 minutes, if we sing five songs or so, there sometimes is only maybe a minute or two in the whole time where I'm actually focused. You know what I mean? And I'm actually, I don't see or hear anyone in the room. I just feel like it's just me and the Lord. You know what I mean? But it seems like a battle just to get into that little spot. And that's in here. When people are helping us, you know what I'm saying? There's little accompaniment and nice, great accompaniment. And it's like, so then if I struggle in here, when when everyone is doing it, how am I faring? How am I coping out there when it's it's me one? I feel like I probably am... Articulating a challenge that we all face. You know what I'm saying when it comes to praise, the book of Psalms will help me. The book of Psalms will help you. you know and I'm saying when it comes to this element of praise. And again, hopefully we're going to see that. So, look, so prayer, poetry, prophecy, and praise, all contained in the Psalms. Just some short facts about the Psalms. Psalms is a collection, as I said, of, notice it, they're lyrical poems and pretty much kind of set to music, at least music of the time. And there's so much, I, got, I was going to say, there's so much I want to say, but I've got time to say it now, isn't it? Especially because there ain't no real plan. So, um, and in, with regards to Old Testament books, it's identified as what they call a composite work, and it contains um, multiple authors, it's, and... With regards to the Psalms, some of the Psalms, the individual Psalms, the chapters themselves, they name the author of the Psalms. Some of them, like Psalm 90. In the first line, it says, This is a Psalm of Moses. Snap, wrong thing. So Moses wrote Psalm 90. David was responsible for most of the Psalms. How many Psalms did David write? There's 150. How many did he write? 73. Sorry, never gave you a chance to answer. Asaph wrote 12. I had a a slide here that's supposed to, but I can't give away the next slide. Asaph wrote 12. The the descendants of Korah wrote 10. Solomon wrote one, possibly two. And Ethan and Heman, who are Ezraites. It's all right, brothers. Don't worry. It's all good. Thank you, though. Um, We're responsible for two, Ethan and Heman or Heman, and the remainder of the Psalms, they do not contain information about the authors. So most of them, we don't know the author. The 150 chapters in the book are divided up, if you weren't aware, into five sections, those 150. And um, we'll talk more about that next week, these five books within the book, right? And it wouldn't be unfair to refer to the book as a compendium of songs. I've already said that they're songs. A little bit like a modern day compilation album, you know, w- with different artists on the album. You know, you, you've got like now, I think, I don't know what number they're on. I know ni- now 95, it might up to, be, up to be 100. And they bring out an album, it's got lots of different artists on it. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Um, Drake, um, Miley Cyrus, I don't know. I'm just naming some names. I don't even know the names of most of the artists nowadays. But you know, you know what a compilation album is, right? Um, I think Ministry of Sound do do a lot of them. Um, club anthems, etc., b Oh, this is the slide, right? So I think I put them in the wrong order. It'll probably come up after this one. So, anybody know what the biggest selling album of all time is? Pastor, you remember when we used to do this in school? Friller. Absolutely right. Thriller. And apparently, um, in the States, it's no longer the number one, just in the States, you know what I'm saying? But worldwide, 47 million. The rest of them, you probably ain't going to know. Yeah, that's not even an exaggeration, because when I saw this list, I was like, really? The Eagles' greatest hits, 1971 to 1975, 38 million, you know. Do I know one Eagles song? <laughs> I, I actually, I do. I do know one. Look, because they're number three as well. Hotel California, welcome to the Hotel California, right? Number four, Billy Joel, Greatest Hits, 23 million. Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, 23 million. Number six, Pink Floyd, The Wall, 23 million. ACDC, Back to Black, 22 million. Garth Brooks, you know. (laughs) That's, That's country and western. For those that don't know, <laughs> Garth Brooks, Baden, Hootie and the Blowfish, and number 10, Fleetwood Mac. I can see how Fleetwood Mac is on there, you know what I mean? 20 million. <clears throat> um, and I think, what is it? Only, only one on there is, oh, there's two, number two and number four. Eagles' greatest, no, no, num, no. There are no compilations on there, are they? They're a compilation of their greatest hits, but no compilations. That was quite pointless, because it never made my point. (laughs) Um, So Psalms is not like this. It's a compilation (laughs) of various different artists. On the other hand, Psalms is also a little bit like David's solo project, where he has various artists on there, along with him, that I've already articulated. And um, in one sense, the Psalms, when you, it's, the Psalms actually have a structure, although they've been kind of reorganized in one sense. They tell the story of David's life, his reign, but then also the story of the life of his people, the Israelites. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Now, <clears throat> how many of you know some albums take weeks to come together together? Sometimes, my, like, myself and Pastor E used to write music back in the day. used to write songs. And there'd be some songs that would take a while. Pastor E would come up with a hook. You know what I mean? Um, none of them really come to mind. The desperation drove me to my knees. I cried, please, Lord, won't you help me? So he'd come, he'd come up with a hook, and he'd give me the hook. I'd be like, okay, what beat are we going to use, bro? Fine, a beat. Them days, no, pro, no producer, no production, no Christian production. So we'd have to rinse, like, use regular beats that was out there. And um you remember a couple of tunes that we rewrote. Da 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 da. Um and, and so we used to write music and there'd be times when like he'd give me a hook or vice versa and it would take a while to write this thing and you know working it out a few weeks maybe even a few months. There's sometimes I remember when 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 E came up with a hook for Revolver the revolver hit me like a blast. If you don't, that's like a classic tune, right? I tell you no lie. When he gave me the hook, and I started writing, I wrote my whole verse like I was writing a letter in one sitting. And it's probably like any time we do that tune in it, bro. And and but I'm, sometimes it takes years. How many of you know this? The Book of Psalms took one millennia to write. That's a thousand years if you like, beginning at the time of David and his rule as king, or kind of just maybe prior to that, because when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, he probably wasn't king at that point. He was sitting on the back of a hill with a sheep. Um, The Lord is my shepherd. But it started roughly about the time of David, and it concluded just after the exile to Babylon, if you know your biblical history. Probably compiled at that end point, during the time of Ezra, if you know, again, Ezra is one of the individuals that had the temple rebuilt after the children of Israel. remember they went, in, went to Babylonian exile. And, they, and remember they sang the song by the rivers of Babylon. When well, we sat down there, we wept when we remembered Zion. Because they weren't in Zion, they were in Babylon. <coughs> but then they had the opportunity to go back to Israel. And Ezra was one of those leaders who kind of contributed to, to, to developing that. So that's the time span. And so, now is this going to work now? Let me see. No. So, ah, uh, look. I just showed you that, but it was in the wrong place. So, in one sense, you could say the book of Psalms is the ultimate collection. You know what I'm saying? It's like the greatest hits for Israel's history. And um, it's crazy how, if you think about, do you know, The Bible, right, compared to record sales, we just looked at record sales, right? Do you know that the Bible roughly sells 250,000, you know I'm saying, copies a day? 168,000 just in the United States. So to say 250,000, a quarter of a million, is a conservative estimate per day. I mean, I know things have changed because we've moved to electronic media and so on, but that's 90 million a year. Five billion to date. They don't like, I'm trying to say the Psalms is the ultimate collection. Talk about greatest hits. You know what I'm saying? In comparison, even to massive movement of units today. (coughs) So, what's the time? I feel like I can do this in 10 minutes. You'd be like, you're going to do two Psalms in 10 minutes. It's only because this is going to be an overview of these two Psalms. And it's important because. We talked about, let me hope this works. We talked about the title for this particular message is intro to the intro. So David is identified at least from the third Psalm with reference to many of the Psalms that he wrote, not Psalm 1, but Psalm 2. And we see a quote in the book of Acts that I'll show you in a minute that refers to the fact that David wrote Psalm 2. But Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are an intro to the whole book of Psalms. It's crazy. They're like the first, you know, like when you, when you buy an album, it's got like a 20, 20 second, 30 second intro. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are exactly that. They're an intro um, to the body of work. It's nothing new under the sun. Psalm 1 opens up with a fact Or the assumption that there are two fundamental types of people in the world. And they're not black or white. And they're not male and female. And they're not rich or poor. The two groups that someone assumes are the righteous and the unrighteous. Those are the two groups. And it's consistent with the New Testament. The New Testament says you're either in or you're out. You're going up or you're going down, right? Two groups. That's the consistency between the Old and the New Testament. And Psalm 1 beautifully compares the blessed with the wicked. And it's funny because Pastor E said it earlier. You know, fundamentally we're all wicked. The issue is, how can I get out of that wicked category into the blessed category? Psalm 1... (coughs) Contrast the blessed or the righteous person with the wicked or the unrighteous person. Watch this. I've tried to lay it out in kind of the way that we do when we're trying to do a Bible study, trying to get to the heart and the meaning of the text. Notice, and I've highlighted some issues. Watch how it does the comparison. And you know someone, right? Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the who. You see the contrast? Right? Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his or her, the blessed person, their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, they meditate day and night. And it goes on to explain the blessed person. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves will not wither. In all that he or she does, they prosper. You see how it outlines and identifies the blessed person? And now contrasts them with the wicked. It already mentioned them in verse 1, verse 4. The wicked are not so. But I like chaff that the wind drives away. You need the New Testament to explain what that means. Verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the who. You see that there's a separation between the two. And then what happens is you get to verse Verse 5 says, the wicked, sinners, unrighteous, one group. Won't stand in the congregation of the righteous like verse 1, notice, the righteous don't stand in the congregation of the wicked in verse 1. You see the comparison. Then he assumes the way of the, well I should say, then he summarizes the whole thing in the last verse in verse 6. says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Can you see how Psalm 1 draws that comparison? This is the intro to the book of Psalms. It's throughout this book, get ready to see this contrast consistently come up. And a part of the cry is, what group are you in? You know what I'm saying? And it shows you the repercussions of being in the group of the wicked versus the blessings that come by being in the group of the righteous. Psalm 2, you trust me that I can do this one in five, because I think I did that one in five. Psalm 2 compares something different. Where Psalm 1 compares two groups of individuals here on earth, Psalm 2 compares everybody on earth with him in heaven. Different kind of contrast, right? One was on one level, next one's on the next level. Right? Watch Psalm two. Verse one says, "Why did the heathen, why did the nations rage, beginning to talk about the people on the planet, right? And the people's plot in vain. The kings of the where, the kings of the earth down here, down bottom, right? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now, this is the voice of the wicked, really. Verse 4. He who sits in where? Not on earth, you know. He who sits in the heavens. See the contrast? He laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He's like, you're not on my level. Verse 5. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have sent my king... On Zion, my holy hill. Not to get too technical, God is in heaven, but God's going to set up his king on earth. Now, he can do both of them at the same time, because we understand God to be a trinity. You've got the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And essentially, I don't have time to unpack it, but what this is saying is, you've got the Father who's in heaven... And he sends Jesus Christ, the son. And how many of you know, the Bible calls Jesus, the New Testament calls Jesus, not just the king, you know. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he comes literally down where? To earth. From heaven though, right? He's the king. Verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, initially, if you read in the psalm, it could sound like David, you know what I'm saying? But it's actually David speaking about David's son, and this is one of the elements of prophecy in the psalms. The New Testament clearly shows that that this is Jesus. So in Acts chapter 13, it quotes from that very section. And Peter says, brothers, speaking to the Jews, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation for those who live in jerusalem and their rulers because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every sabbath fulfilled them by condemning him that is by condemning jesus these are those who killed jesus verse 28 and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death they asked pilate to have him executed And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people, including Peter, who's speaking, including can't remember who's speaking. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers in the Old Testament, this he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus, as also is written in the in the what's that say? In the what? Oh, in the second psalm. Right? You are my son, today I have begotten you. Can you see how this is a reference back to Psalm 2? And it's the fulfillment of the prophecy that was then, and it identifies, not David, but David's son, or David's great-great-great-grandson, great great, great who's Jesus, right? By bloodline, right? And it's funny because it goes on to make reference to some of the other Psalms. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Verse 35. Therefore he he says also in another Psalm. Remember I told you that there's bare prophecy in the book of Psalms? And they and they explained in the New Testament. Verse 35, you will not let your holy one see corruption. This is one of the references that we would say, people would be like, What does the Bible prophesy that Jesus would raise from the dead? Right here. Yeah. I can't remember which one of the Psalms. Is it Psalm 110? You know and I'm saying, you will not let your holy one see corrupt his body won't decay. Why? Because he'll be raised from the dead. Verse 36, for David, notice, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was, laden. was laid with his fathers and he saw corruption, i.e., this weren't David fulfilling it because David went to the grave and he stayed there. So this person who it's talking about is not David, it's the son of David. Remember, Jesus would be called the son of David. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Jesus let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this man, sorry, through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. There's another reference in Hebrews 5. Now back to Psalm 2 as we get ready to finish. And it's a further description of God's king. Remember, we begin to talk about God saying, Look, this is my king. I'm going to set him on my holy hill. Right, so verse eight of Psalm two continues says, as of, he says, ask of me. This is now God the Father speaking to God the Son, right? And he says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. My gosh, so much in that. And the ends of the earth your possession. So remember, the first Psalm is talking about um, the contrast between the blessed and the righteous, the godly and the ungodly. But now Psalm two is making this comparison between God and and man him who is in heaven versus those who are on the earth and god the father says i'm going to send my son you know and i'm saying he's going to be the savior and on top of that he's going to be the one who's going to rule and he's going to reign from the every nation and from the end from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth that's everyone everywhere you see that in verse 8 verse 9 you jesus shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel now, therefore, O kings, be wise. If that's the case, if he's a bad man like that, right? Be wise, verse 10. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Again, you see the contrast between God in heaven and his king, Jesus, and, and men on earth. Verse 11. Serve the Lord, therefore, with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in in him. So the book of Psalms assumes that there are only two types of people, the righteous and the unrighteous, and that all are accountable to him in heaven if you live here on the earth. All accountable to God and his king, whose name is Jesus, and then explores the relationships that orbit that central theme which is, how does man relate with man? Psalms, oh my gosh. How does does man relate to God? How does God relate to man? And more specifically, really, it's the other way around. How does God relate to man? How does man relate to God? And how does man relate to man? How do we relate to one another? Prayer, poetry, Prophecy and praise. We're gonna try and unpack this over the course of the next weeks. So I beg you pray for me as um not right now but um as 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 we try and look at this, amen. I'm gonna invite the team to come join me. Um as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for providing us with it's crazy, Lord. It's a bit like diamonds. They're there, but you gotta dig for them. There's gold in them, their hills, but boy, you gotta get up there and you gotta dig and you gotta sift. And I thank you for your word, Lord, because so often it's it's just seen as a dusty book on the shelf. Yeah, as we said before, it's like it's like Jamanji. It's just sitting up there dusty in the attic. But you pull that thing out and you open it up, wow. And Lord, I pray that as we go through just the next few weeks, Lord, looking at the Psalms, the songbook of Israel, and that which can can inspire our prayers. Father, that which is beautiful to behold when you see the poetry. We lose so much of it in English. Lord, the fact that Psalms are replete with prophecy. We saw it in Psalm 22, incredible predictions way before the time of the events, point into the authenticity of the Scriptures. And then, Father, the praise of your people. Thank you, Lord. We can look at those who knew you in ways that are incredible, and we can we can jump, we can piggyback on their prayers and their songs. And how they relate to you. And at any time when things are good, but also when things are bad and dark. Thank you for the scope of the book of Psalms. And Lord, I know we've only just scratched the surface. Lord, would you help us as we maybe this week just begin to think a little bit more about this book. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Like the book of Revelation, Lord, your word is given to us. If we would only expose ourselves to us, Lord, oh, it would so bless us. And um, bless us, I pray, um, by virtue of, of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.